We're so excited to be here. My name is Tamara. That's David. We are two members of our four-person team. The other two are somewhere else on campus tonight. But we're excited to be with you guys. It's our last meeting. And so we're kind of like, mean, we're pumped. We're sad for our last one, but we're also excited because we get to go home and like see all of our families. Um, but man, we're pumped to be here. What tonight's going to look like? David's going to come up. He's going to share with you guys, you know, from Genesis to Revelation. You guys saw a little sneak peek of Genesis. He's going to mention Jacob. From Genesis to Revelation, uh, God's heart for the world. He's going to highlight some different key scriptures where God just makes his heart for the world known and just a mission theme of the Bible. And then after he does that, he's going to pretty much share with you guys like the why behind, you know, why should we play a part in God's mission. After he does that, we're going to break for a little bit of a snack, come back in here, and we're going to have a part two. Um, where you guys can stick around and hear about, man, what does it look like for me to live out God's mission in my life? What does it look like for me to go? What does it look like for me to stay? And so we're going to dive into some practical steps for you guys for that. But for now, welcome up, David. What's up, y'all? We are so excited to be here. I know she said that, but I just want to reiterate that this is our last meeting we've had. 46 meetings across 37 campuses. I think those numbers are right. I'll auto recheck through that. Uh, in the past three and a half months, since September, we've been on the road. We've been living out of a suitcase and a backpack. That is it. And slowly over time, uh, we have just gone meeting after meeting after meeting. And now we are finally here at Memphis Alpha. And we are so excited to be here with you guys tonight. Um, we got to hang out with Matt earlier, and he had nothing but incredible things to say about almost all of you. No, I'm just kidding. But the reason that we do this, the reason that we go to this campus, and I'm probably going to get up in your business a little bit, just a up. but the reason uh, that we do this is, is because we believe in this message. We believe in this message so much that we're willing to radically and dramatically change our lives and our lifestyle to come and bring it to you tonight. And I think that it's impacted our lives so much because it has to do with life purpose. And we're all seeking for life purpose, right? And I know that because we're in college. We're trying to figure it out. Uh, you just made it into nursing school. Congrats. That's awesome. And like, you're trying to figure out, like, hey, what is next? What am I going to do with my life? And so for me, there's been a couple times where I thought that I found my life purpose. And the first time that I thought I found it was actually back my freshman year in high school. And I had this friend named Nick, and Nick was kind of like, whenever he had an idea, uh, something bad was going to happen. And I know you can think in your head right now of that one friend that's going to cause you some trouble every single time that they have something. And so I see him at the end of the hall one day, and he comes running towards me, full speed directly at me. And his full speed wasn't very fast. He's not a very athletic guy. But he, he gets up to me and he says, David, I have this incredible idea. And I'm like, here we go. Yeah, I'm preparing myself mentally. Here we go. He says, let's try out for the track I said, okay, so shot put, discus, you know, some of these other events uh, that doesn't involve running. You know, what are you thinking? And, and he says, no. He looks me dead in the eye and says, I want to run. So we go and we try out. We try out for the track team. Here we go, me and Nick, and we're, we're on the track, and, and we start running, and a week later, uh, Nick quits. He's done. Um, he threw up like three or four practices. He, he had enough. But I found out that, that I was pretty good at this. And, and so my sophomore year, I continued running, and I realized my sophomore year, this is my life purpose. 
I'm going to be Usain Bolt. You can see it. <laughs> it's obvious. And, you know, like, this is going to be my life purpose. And so by my junior year, I started getting some letters from colleges. By my senior year, I signed on to run at the Naval Academy. And so I was like, this is my life. These are the next four years. But something happened my senior year that completely threw that off. I tore my ACL. I blew out my knee. And so now all of a sudden, I'm just a few months away from going to college, and I legitimately have no life purpose. I have no idea where I'm going just a few months from now. And so I go to the University of Arkansas. I'm on campus, and I'm walking around. I'm trying to figure out, hey, what am I going to give my life to? What in the world is it going to be next? And I have no idea. Around that same time, a friend named Jake, who's a believer, came up to me, and we started to build a relationship. Over a certain amount of time, he shared the gospel with me over and over again. I became a believer shortly after. And I thought to myself, like, this is my life purpose now. This is what I'm going to do. Started to read my Bible, started to share my faith, started to do all these great things for God. And, and I realized that back in high school, my life purpose, I would give anything to it. Anything to track. It was my life. But this life purpose, it was different. My life with God, I, I was going to still live my life purpose, my own path, but I was going to add God in where I saw fit. There were certain things in my life that I was not going to give up to God. Um, and that's how this life purpose was different than the last one. I wasn't giving it everything. And that became really, really apparent when that same friend, Jake, he came up to me and said, David, I'm going to India this summer, and I want you to come with me. And I looked at him and I said, man, missions is necessary, it is needed, and it's important. But it is not for me. I'm not called to that. That's not for me. Because... If God asked me to, to change something dramatically in my life, I wasn't going to do it. I was going to stick on my path. But the more and more that I started to get into God's word, and I started to realize over time that, that God actually had this path, this purpose for my life that was far different than my own purpose for my own life. I started to realize from Genesis all the way through to Revelation that God was on this same mission and had this same purpose for my life all the way throughout Scripture, the same exact theme. And so tonight, we're going to go through that. We're going to go Genesis to Revelation. We're going to fly through the Bible here in about 25 minutes. And you and I are going to discover one thing. We're going to see, are we aligning our life purpose with God's purpose for our life? Or are we just seeking our own? Because God has a purpose far greater than any of us could ever imagine. Greater than any of us could ever imagine. And you guys are going to discover that tonight. We're going to see that tonight. Does that sound good? I want you guys to be active and, and give me some feedback, you know, be, be fun here. I'm down here with y'all. This is exciting. And so God's purpose for our lives actually starts in Genesis 12. Genesis, that same book that we were just talking about. And that gets really hard to follow. So we're going we're gonna to see what we can do here. And so we, we see that God has a purpose. And this starts in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Genesis 12, 1 through 3 with a guy named Abram. And so we see Abram, and, and this is God in his first uh, conversation ever. All of a sudden, Abram hears his voice from the sky, and it says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your people and your, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Hey, Abram, get up and leave. Leave everything that you've ever known. Your chickens, your cows, your, you know, your little house, your little cottage, everything that you've ever known. I want you to get up and go. And if you do, Abram, guess what? I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. 
so that you will be a blessing. If you go, like, I'm going to bless you like crazy. Like, this is a good deal for you. But not only that, Abram, I will bless those who bless you, and him who curses you, I will curse. This is awesome. Like, if God said this to you, you'd be like, I'm in. I'm in, God. Like, whatever you want. Here it is. But not only this, Abram, this blessing is not just for you to keep in your, in your little pod here. This is so that you will reach all nations, that all nations on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. So God is telling Abram, hey, listen, I'm going to bless you like crazy if you obey me. And this isn't just for you. This is for every single nation on the entire earth. This is the beginning of God's mission, of God's purpose. And guess what, y'all? We're part of this family. If we are followers of Christ, we are part of this family, which means we're part of the family business. And guess what the family business is? It's mission. This is what we do, and we're going to see that as we continue on. And so next up in line is Abraham's son Isaac. It says this, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and in your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed. He continues the same promise to Abraham's son Isaac. He's saying the same thing to him. And when God repeats himself, we should listen, right? And let's see, he repeats it again uh, to Isaac's son Jacob, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and in you and your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. So we're starting to see this trend. We're going to continue to see this trend throughout Scripture, the same exact theme, the same exact purpose, that through Abraham and all of his descendants, all the nations are going to be blessed. All the nations are going to praise the one true God. This is an incredible purpose, y'all. And it starts all the way back in Genesis. You're like, read through Genesis. You're like, these guys are super dead. Like, why in the world should I care about this? Because this is where it starts, y'all. And it doesn't end until we're in heaven. And we're not there yet, right? Last I checked, we're not there. Which means we're somewhere in the middle. Which means we have a role to play. Does that make sense? We have a role to play in this mission. And so we even see the most famous Bible stories, like the story of David and Goliath, right? We see David, he's like this 12-year-old. He runs up to this knife-foot giant, you know, sick headshot, like, boom, he's dead. This is great. Like, we all know this story, right? We've heard this probably all of our years growing up, we've heard this story. But what is David thinking? Like, this guy should have died like a million times over. This is not a fight he could win, ever. But David said yes to God's purpose for his life. Now, if David were smart and living for his own purpose, he probably would have stayed at home, right? This, this is not in David's best interest to go against Goliath. But David actually says this, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. So David says yes to God's purpose. He says, hey, this is how I'm playing a role. David plays a huge role in God's purpose throughout his entire life, but this is where it begins. He says, hey, I'm joining in on God's purpose for my life. I'm going against Goliath. And I have all the confidence and the boldness in the world to be able to do this. And the reason is so that all the earth will know about this. And guess what? All the earth knew. We're still talking about it today. Right? This is a long time later. We're still talking about this story. So David said yes to God's purpose for his life. We're still talking about it. All the nations of the earth. All the nations of the earth. We even see it in the story of King Solomon. And now, King Solomon is literally like the wisest person on the planet. You probably uh, either think you're super wise or know somebody that's super wise in your family or at your school or something like that. And you're like, yeah, that's the guy. Like, that's King Solomon in my world. And so, King Solomon's literally a genius. 
And he has all the power in the world to, to do whatever he wants with all this wisdom that God has given him. But he says no to, to him being famous and, and just for his glory and to use his, uh, his wisdom for himself. And he says, hey, look, the whole world will seek audience with Solomon. This is his purpose. He's joining in God's purpose. He says the whole world is going to know and hear the wisdom that God had put in his heart. People heard about King Solomon, right? People heard about him. He said, yes, each and every single one of you has some gifting of some sort. Maybe it's your making. Maybe it is uh, something that you're passionate about. All these different things. God says, hey, I don't just want you to use those for you. I want you to use those so that my name can be known. Right? And we see that in the story of King Solomon. And I felt pretty wise before, and I've always found out, like, hey, you're wrong. And that happens to me quite a bit. And one of those uh, times that that happened was actually we had a guest speaker, very similar to this, come in. And I was part of a leadership Bible study, so I'm pretty, uh, you know, confident in myself at this point. It's my sophomore year in college, and, and this guest speaker comes up. He says, hey, if you know this verse, I want you to finish it. Be still in. And I know what just popped into your head, right? And that's what popped into my head. And so I'm sitting down at the time, and I raise my hand, and I jump up, and I say, be still and know that I'm God. And I look at my phone, and it's actually my phone background at the time. I had this picture of this nice calm lake with, like, a canoe going across. It says, be still. Like, I know there's a journal in here that says, be still on it. And I know that, there's, like, there's a canvas in your room. It's got some flowers. And be still. Right? This is a catchphrase of Christianity. I'm getting some nods. Yeah. For sure. For sure. There's no way that that's not true. Right? This is a catchphrase of Christianity. And so I knew this verse. I'm on leadership, and I'm sitting back down. At this point, I'm like winking at this girl. I'm like, you know, like, this is good, you know. I know the verse. And he says, hey, you know that's only half the verse, right? Be still and know that I'm God. And I was like, half the verse? What do you mean? And he's like, dot, dot, dot. You know that means there's more to the verse. And I'm like, I thought it was just a poetic ending. What do you you mean? Be still and know that I'm God. God, God, God. But he says, no, that's, that's only half the verse. And so I'm like kind of getting red, and I'm like, it can't be very important. I don't know it. <laughs> and he, he puts this up on the board. Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, isn't it funny that the part of the verse that was about me, I knew and memorized and loved. <laughs> But the part that was about God's purpose for my life or him getting the glory that he deserves, I completely and totally ignored. Think about it. Think about it. Completely and totally ignored it. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. It's even in our most famous psalm of all time ever, the catchphrase of Christianity, and yet no one knows. This purpose is clear throughout the Bible. And if you've missed it before, we're starting to see it now. And it's even in my most uh, favorite uh, story of the Old Testament, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Radshach and Benny, right? Radshach and Benny. And so before I get to the good part of the story, I've kind of got to give you some context here. And so Radshach and Benny live in ancient Babylon. And ancient Babylon is ruled by this guy with this funny name, named King Nebuchadnezzar. And this dude's a soldier. Like, absolute and total jerk. You don't want to mess with this guy. And so the king makes a decree, and he says this. He says, hey, if you're in my kingdom, we're going to worship this giant piece of gold. He makes this giant gold statue and says, everybody's going to worship this. And so everybody in the kingdom is like, yeah, all right, like, I'm in. 
and most people are down with it, but Ratchek and Benny were followers of God. And they were like, no, like, we only worship the one true God. We're not going to do that. We're not, we're not worshiping this piece of this idol, this piece of gold. And so word gets back to the king. And help me out here. Uh, when people break the rules, what do we do? We punish them. We, we, yeah, we throw them in furnaces. That, that is the normal reaction, right? And so let's say that you got your, you uh, pull up to the library. You go inside and you run back out and you got a parking ticket. Oh, no. And you know what's happening because you're about to be thrown in a that is, that is just the normal reaction. And if that were true, like, there'd probably be like 10 people on your feet. You know? like, like, that's, that's not a good solution. That's not how we punish people. And I think it's absolutely ridiculous that King Nebuchadnezzar was about this. But he's like, hey, that's what we do here. And so he takes Ratchak and Benny, and he throws them in the furnace. And he's like, turns it up to seven to make sure they're extra dead, like really crispy. And he sits back, and he's waiting for this to happen. And, and he's like, they're, they're like, they're fine. And they're like walking around. Like, this is like, he's like trying to peek in, like, I don't know, is this really happening? And, and then there's a fourth guy walking in in the furnace with them. He says, okay, this is, this is weird. Like, we, we got to talk. And so he opens up the furnace, they come out, and they're talking. And, and this is a pagan idol worshiping king. This is a guy that was worshiping a piece of gold, and he's amazed by Radshak and Benny, and the fact that they were able to survive. And let's rewind here for a second. Do you think that Radshak and Benny's life purpose was to be thrown in the furnace? Do you think that's their first choice? I don't think that's anybody's first choice. Am I right? No. But Radshak and Benny said yes to God. Said yes to something that was so high risk, so outrageously crazy to be thrown in the furnace. They said yes. And let's see how God uses it. We see this. So King Nebuchadnezzar is, is king, so he can make these decrees. And he says this, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore I make a decree, I make a new law after seeing this. To the people, nations, and men of every language who live in all the world, it is my pleasure to tell you about the signs that the Most High God has performed. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. Now let's look at this. Let's see the heart change here. This is a guy that was worshiping a piece of gold just a few minutes before, and all of a sudden he's on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And now this law is going out to all the people, all the people in his entire kingdom. Ratchak and Benny said yes to God's purpose for their life. Do you know how many people came to know the one true God because of this? Because of their actions? We'll never know. But they said yes, and God was faithful to protect them, and they could say yes to something as crazy as that. Right? That should give us some confidence to say yes to the things God has for us, right? That should give us a ton of confidence. And so God has this purpose for our lives. He's, we get to say yes to this over and over again. It's even in all the prophets. Every single prophet talks about this. We're going to highlight three of them. In Isaiah, I will make you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach where? To the ends of the earth. Are we starting to see this theme? And it continues on with Habakkuk. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Finally, Zephaniah, the Lord will be awesome to them when He destroys the gods of the land. The nations on every shore will worship Him. Every one in its own land. If you didn't know this before, and if you haven't seen it yet, like this is, this is us seeing it. Maybe for the first time ever. That this theme throughout the Bible exists. 
that God is trying to lay out. He says, hey, this is what I want you to live for. This is what I want you to give your life to, to play a part in this mission like so many others. And the prophets were not liked people. They weren't popular at all. But they wrote these things and they said these things. They proclaimed God. They said, yes, God's purpose for their life. We're seeing it over and over again. And when I think of shores and when I think of the oceans and, and all these different instances, I always think of Destin, Florida. Uh, it's, has anybody been to Destin or down in Florida at least? A couple people? Yeah? That's awesome. And so I actually went to this beach project kind of thing. And, and I pull up and I'm with my three buddies and I'm like, this is going to be the summer. Like, I'm going to find the girl. And that was, that was really my mindset at the time. And so we pull up and, and legitimately like 10 seconds later, we, we strike up a conversation with these three girls. And I'm like, I love Destin. Like, this is, <laughs> like, this is amazing. Like, this is going to be my summer. This is exactly what I was hoping for. And so we're striking up a conversation. Everything's going great. And, and we actually decide, hey, we're going to do this bonfire later in the night. Nice sunset bonfire. Like, we, we got it all going for us. And so we go back home, and, and we change, and we're all talking. We're all excited. And I put my, you know, brand new button down on, got my nice khakis on, and put my Ray-Bans on as I walk out the door. And I think, like, I'm feeling good. I'm looking even better. Like, <laughs> like this is it. You know, this is my night. And so we pull up to the beach, and the bonfire's going, and, and here are the girls, and everything's going great. And, and I had this other friend who was very similar to Nick in a lot of ways. And, and, and all of a sudden, I hear, some, I hear some splashing behind me, and I'm like, it's probably him. And I, I really hope it's not, but it probably is. And I, I turn around, and I see my friend in all this clothes swimming as fast as he can out into the middle of the ocean. Why? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, why? What on earth is this dude thinking? And so I'm trying to figure it out, and I'm looking out towards him, and I see these fins out in the water, like going up in and out of the water. So I'm like, oh, he's swimming towards the dolphin. That still doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> what is he doing? And so we're like trying to figure it out, and I'm like, I'm not getting a second date. Like, this is bad. Like, all this different stuff's going through my head. And all of a sudden, I, I hear some yelling behind me in, in these high-rise condos in Destin, Florida. And I, I turn around, and what do I see? But I see this old man, and he's basically in his boxes, and he's just frantically waving his arms. And he's screaming something, but I cannot hear what he's saying. And so I, I try and run a little bit closer to him, and I still can't hear. And then it all becomes so clear because his arms go from this to, to this motion. And it, it took me a second, and, and the light bulb finally went on. And I realized that my friend wasn't swimming towards the dolphin, that he was swimming as fast as he could directly towards the I had this one all-consuming thought. And it literally rocked me to my core. I felt it deep inside my gut that my friend was going to die soon. <laughs> and there was not a worse faith in that. <laughs> can, we, can we all agree on that? That's, everybody nod yes? Yeah. <laughs> my friend's out there swimming, and, and when, when I think of this story... Actually, I actually think it relates a lot to me in college. Now, why in the world would I say that? How does this relate to me? And how does it relate to you? I think it relates a lot because we see something out in the water. 
It might be a job. It might be an internship. It might be, um, you know, this life purpose that we've been pursuing our entire life. Maybe it's just to live a better life than our parents. You know, we see this thing out in the water. And we're going to do everything that we can. We're going to swim as fast as we can towards this thing. And we're not even going to think about it. We're not even going to think twice about it. And for me, that was, that was the American dream. That was just having success, and I was going to do everything that I could to get to it. But the thing is, when we get there, we're going to realize it's not what we thought it was, and it's not eternal, and it's not going to last. And something that I realized throughout college was I was going to lay down my American dream at the feet of Jesus, and he was not going to be. After every single thing that he's given to me, that he's done for me, and I just pursued my own life purpose, he wasn't going to be impressed. And that was really tough for me to figure out and for me to swallow. But what does Jesus say about all this? Like, does he change the perspective? Like, does his mindset change from the Old Testament? Like, here comes Jesus. He comes down from heaven in the most humble, bless you, in the most humble way possible. He's born in a manger, and he lives a perfect and sinless life, a life that if you and I had a million lives to live, we would never be able to live. A perfect life. Perfect. He lives this life, and he's persecuted, and he dies on the cross. He dies the most painful and excruciating death. That's where the word excruciating comes from, from the crucifixion. He dies the most painful and excruciating death that you or I could ever imagine. With all the power in the world to get off. Let's think about this. He has all the power in the world. All he has to do is to think it into existence. This is God in the flesh. All he has to do is think about it, to snap his fingers, and it would all go away. And he chose to stay there. Now, why? Why in the world would he choose to stay there? Thinking about all the sins that you or I have ever committed in our life, past present, future. He has all of those running through his brain, and yet he still decides to stay. Now why? Because he loves us, and he wants us to be in heaven with him. Because he sees that this is a broken and sinful world, and we need a way out. And he gave us that way out. And if we would turn from our sin, and believe and trust in him and his work on the cross. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's the good news that you and I get to celebrate, and we get to sing about every single night. That's amazing. That's amazing grace. That is the good news of the gospel. He's resurrected, comes back to life, proving to everybody that he was God, that it was true. Now, what is he going to say? What in the world is Jesus going to say now? Everybody is hanging on his last words. He's only on the earth for a few more days. What is he possibly going to say? And the thing is, it doesn't change. This is a verse called the Great Commission. You guys, if you've been to any missions, anything, you've heard this before. Go and make disciples of all nations. And when, when I used to think about missions, this was the verse that would pop up. But we see that this verse is literally 2,000 years late to the game. The verses on missions started in Genesis 12. And Jesus, he, he says this once, and you're like, yeah, that's the Great Commission. Jesus is making it clear. But he doesn't just say this once. He, he actually repeats it five times. These are the five Great Commission verses. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. And we see it in Mark. Go into the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Jesus is repeating himself over and over again. Luke 24, repentance and forgiveness of sins. 
should be proclaimed in His name to where? To all nations. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. We see this in John 20, 21. And so the question is not if we're sent. It is simply to where? Jesus is making it clear. And why in the world is He repeating Himself over and over again? Because I think it's really clear that we will choose our own path over His every single time. And so he says this to the disciples five times over. And finally in Acts 1 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I love this verse because Acts 1 9, Jesus ascends into heaven. Like, he says these words, he, he levitates off the ground, and spikes the mic, and he says, That's it. I'll come back when it's done. Five times he repeats himself. And, and it's not like if we're called or, or if this or if that. This is, this is just what we do. If we're a follower of Christ, we make him known to the ends of the earth. That's just what we do. And Jesus repeats himself over and over again to make sure that we get it, to make sure that we don't live our own life purpose, but to live for his. That's just what we do. But there's still people around the world that don't know this good news. This happened over 2,000 years ago, so you're like, okay, like, what's left? What's left of this mission? What's left of this purpose for God that God has laid out in front of us for all history? He's been laying out this purpose to reach all nations. What's left? This is an area of the world called the 1040 window. It stretches from 10 degrees north latitude to 40 degrees north latitude, stretching from West Africa through the Middle East, through India, all the way out past Japan. This area of the world holds 5 billion people inside of it. That's two-thirds of the world's entire population. They live inside of this box. That's a lot of people. That's a whole lot of people. But also inside of this box are 3 billion people who are considered unreached. Now, what's unreached? Is that the same as unsaved? What does that mean? There are unsaved people on your campus. There are unsaved people all around the world, right? Here in Memphis in the U.S., everywhere, but an unreached person is a different category. Because if they wanted to know, they wouldn't be able Because they don't have access to Jesus. Which means for three billion people, they will be born, live their entire life, and they will die. And they will never hear who Jesus is. They will never your worship song. They will never read a Bible in their own translation. They will never step inside of a church. They will never in their entire life meet a Christian, let alone a Christian who will have the guts to share the gospel with them to, to tell the good news that you and I get to celebrate daily. That's true for three billion people on the other side of the world. Three billion people. I got the opportunity to go to India. That same trip that I said no to, I actually went on. I met a guy and I started to share my faith with him and I said, man, have you ever heard of Jesus before? He said, no, who's that? Is he one of your friends? Where is he? And that is true for three billion people inside of that box. How is that possible? 
how can that be possible after Jesus made it so clear after from Genesis all the way through we've seen the same exact theme over and over again but yet we still are missing it and something that hurts even worse is the fact that of all the world's long-term workers out of all the missionaries in the world currently there are four percent of the world's long-term workers that are inside of that box four percent which means that 96 percent of the workers are somewhere else in the world it's so clear. Yet we are missing it. And we can actually live out this purpose in our lives. And, and, and Paul actually lived out this purpose verbatim. And we're going to see this here in Romans. We see, I make, a, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has been named, lest alone I build on someone else's foundation. Paul is saying, hey, I'm going to go to where people don't know Jesus. I'm going to tell them about Jesus and then I'm going to pack up my stuff. I'm going to go to the next place. I'm going to do it over and over again until everybody knows or until I die. And we can literally live that out verbatim today. How crazy is that? Almost 2,000 years later and there's still so many people that don't have access to Jesus. That's crazy. We have a role to play in this. We are not to heaven yet. Which means that we need to play a part. If we're a follower of Christ, we play a part in this. That's just what we do. And so I want you guys to close your eyes for a second. I want you to picture heaven. Some of you may have just seen some clouds. And we're all floating and you've got a nice halo on your head. Now I want you to open your eyes and I want you to see what heaven will actually look like. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, before Jesus. When I used to picture heaven, when I closed my eyes and I would think about it, I saw a bunch of Americans and we're all singing around and, and we're singing Hillsong. And Oceans is playing on repeat for all eternity. Amen? Amen. That's what I saw heaven as. And, and God, like... It, it is funny because God laughs at that. He says, that's going to happen. Like, you're going to sing all the oceans that you want. Like, all the time. Like, it's going to be great, you know? But, but the truth is that heaven is a multi-ethnic worship party from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. And this is what we're heading towards. This is the ultimate goal. This is what we should have inside of our minds every single day. This is the goal. This is God's purpose for our life to play a part in this mission. Revelation 7-9. Every nation, every tribe, people, and language. Now, imagine we're in heaven and we, we get to experience this someday. And we're there and, and we're sitting there and, and we get to look side to side and see all of our brothers and sisters in Christ that are worshiping God and giving Him the glory that He rightfully deserves. We're all there doing that and, and we can say, I played a part in that. Like, I helped reach that unreached people group. I helped play a part in that. How amazing would that be? This is worth giving your life to. Because the truth is that playing a part in this is the only thing that's eternal, and it's the only thing that's going to last. Because we can bring our American dreams, we can bring our hopes and ambitions to the feet of Jesus, and He's not going to be impressed because this is what He's impressed with. 
He's given us so much. We have access to the Gospel when so many people don't. And He's given us that access for a reason. He's saying, now go and make disciples to the ends of the earth. That's what we do. And yet we're still choosing to live for ourselves. This is what we can play a part in. And it is so much greater. So much greater than anything that we could ever imagine. This is worth giving your life to. So how do we do that? What's the next step? You might be thinking, I'm in, but, but how do I play this out? What do I do? The answer is really, really simple. It might not be easy, but it's really, really simple. We go, and we send. Two very simple words that are worth giving our life to. We go, and we send. Now, you might be wondering, okay, like, I understand go. Like, we've been talking about going, and, and that's great, but, it, but how am I supposed to do that? You guys are supposed to do that through your ministry. God has put you in an amazing place that has an incredible summer and spring break opportunities and so many opportunities for you guys to go. Take them. There's going to be obstacles. It's going to be hard, but it's worth giving your life to. All right? Go. Go on the trip to the Dominican. Go experience it, share the gospel with people that don't know it or don't understand it well. Go. And then people that aren't going, they need to send. But sending isn't a cop-out. Sending needs to be as equally as sacrificial as going. And so if you're set and you're like, hey, no, like that's not for me, and, and you might have missed everything that I just talked about, but if you're like, hey, I, I want to send, that's what I want to do, then it needs to be as sacrificial or even more sacrificial as the people that are giving up their lives to go. We need to be giving. We need to be praying so that people can go. Because living cross-culturally is not cheap. It's not a cheap thing to do. People need to be able to go. And so our second part, we're going to talk about some really tangible next steps to be able to go and to send. How we can live this out daily. And I encourage you guys to stick around for that. We can go. We can send. I spent my entire life seeking my own life purpose, and I realized that it wasn't going to be worth anything in the end. Tonight, you might be thinking that same thing. And so I want to give you guys an opportunity here. So you should have had this little card. It might be on the floor or somewhere around you. On the front of this card, the dark side, has the mission theme of the Bible. And I want you guys, this has a lot of the verses that I went through and then even a lot more. And I want you guys to go through this on your own to be able to see that this isn't something that, that the traveling team made up, that I made up, that Chi Alpha made up, like that I just put in nations and a bunch of these verses. Like, no, this is legit. This is real. I want you to go through this on your own during your quiet time. I want you to see God's heart for the world throughout Scripture. It's an incredible, incredible way that you guys can get plugged in. And then the back side of this card... I'm going to read and I'm going to explain and I'm going to ask for a response. And so it says this, I commit myself to obeying Christ and declaring His salvation to the unreached world by serving as either a cross-cultural goer or a sacrificial sender. Now what this card is saying, it's not saying, hey, like, I'm going on a plane tomorrow and I'm never coming back. That's not what we're saying. Like, and I know you guys just heard commitment and you're probably like, commitment, flee. Like, I got to get out of here. Like, you know, I'm overcommitted or whatever. But this is something we want to commit to. Because 
all those individuals who we went through throughout Scripture, they had an opportunity to say yes to God. And God used it. This is our opportunity to say yes. And this is something worth committing to. And it's not saying I'm giving all my money to missions right now or anything like that. You don't have to have it all figured out. This is just simply saying, God, like, I see what you're doing. I see your purpose throughout Scripture, and I'm done living for myself. And I want to live for you and your purpose. It's an opportunity to say yes. So if that's you tonight, I want you to raise this card up as I close in prayer. Simple enough? God, thank you for who you are. God, thank you that you're God of the entire world. That you don't just love the people in Memphis or the people in Tennessee or the people around this area or even the United States, Lord, but you love every single individual on this entire planet. And your son died for every single one of them, Lord, and they don't even know, God. God, I pray that we would give our lives to going, to sending, to playing a part in your global mission, God, because we see that this is worth giving our life to, that there's absolutely nothing else that's going to be eternal, that's going to last, Lord, besides this, God, to play a part in your mission, Lord. We see your purpose, and we want to play a part, Lord. I pray that you would use this room, Lord, to reach an unreached people group, God. This would be filled with goers and senders that are playing a part for the rest of their lives, God. We love you, Lord. We trust you, Lord, no matter what comes next. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Is that challenging? Um, I know, not as I grew up in church, I know a lot of y'all didn't, but, but growing up in church, you have like a mindset that like missionaries are a different classification of Christian. Like, you've got your Christians, and you have, like, these special people that are missionaries, and they were supposed to go. And, like, when you see God's heart in the Bible, it's like, no, like, every one of y'all are supposed to go. But the Great Commission uh, was for all believers. Every single believer has a responsibility to take the gospel to people that haven't heard of it. Not just pastors, not just missionaries, but everybody, right? Um, and, and some of you guys thinking, uh, even if you heard David talking, you're like, yes, this is really compelling um, and, and it's exciting that God would invite me to be a part of that, but there's, there's just no way. And you just go ahead and count yourself out. Um, that's for my neighbor. That's for someone else. Um, and God, of course God knows. It's just, but God, you don't know my situation. Like, like there's no way uh, that, I, that I could respond to that. I, I could never see myself uh, as a missionary in that box somewhere. Like I, um, I just want to take, take a chance and uh, see God's presence and... and uh, let the Holy Spirit move a little bit with you. Um, let me tell you this too. Uh, God's called you to do that. He's going to make a way. There's no such thing as impossible with God. Jesus said all things are possible for those that believe. God's called you uh, to, to be a missionary, to take the gospel to a people group uh, that's never heard it before. Like David said, you know, we got plenty of unsaved people in Memphis. Um, the difference between an unsaved person is they could hear the gospel if they wanted to. There's a church on every single corner, right? In that box, they're unreached. I mean, even if they wanted to hear the gospel, there's no one to tell them, right? Uh, there's, there's no church. There's no Christian radio station. There's no Caleb. Um, they got nothing, right? So I believe God is calling people in this room to go live and die in that box. And people can hear the gospel. They've never heard it. People can go to heaven. 